Good morning, Hope Church. How's everyone doing? Good, good, good. I like to hear that. Um, everybody have a good week? Good week, kind of a short work week, which is always a good thing. You guys have a good Labor Day? Good Labor Day? Yeah. But the problem is that means that summer's over. Boo. You know how I like summer. But there is, there is uh, an upside to September, for me, anyway. Can anybody guess what that might be? Ah, yeah, you guys know me, don't you? We're just a little over two weeks away from preseason hockey, which I know doesn't sound too exciting, but for me, it's very exciting. So I have that to look forward to. Sad to see summer go, but a hockey season will be upon us here pretty quickly. So I want to share with you for a moment about a farmer. I know some ears perked up because we have some farmers in the audience, but there was a farmer who posted on a social media site. And his post said, wanted good farm wife with tractor. Please post photos of tractor. So this farmer obviously had decided what was important in his life. A good wife with a tractor. Now, I don't know if it was the tractor that made her good, but it probably didn't hurt, right? Well, friends, we all have decisions that we must make about what is important in our lives. We make decisions every single day. In fact, a study out of the Boston University estimates that the average person makes about 70 decisions a day. That translates to a little over 2,000 a month, 25,000 or so a year. So over the average lifespan, you will make about 2 million decisions in your life. Now, not all of these Decisions are important. Not all of them have moral consequences. In fact, some of them are most mundane, like what to have for breakfast or what to wear. Notice I'm wearing long pants today, no shorts. We're back inside. But there are many, many decisions that we face in life that will determine the kind of life that we live. Like the businessman who has to decide, do I deliberately mislead my client just to make the sale, or am I honest with him and live my life with a clear conscience, sale or no sale? Do I cheat on my taxes? Uncle Sam already takes a lot of my money. It doesn't seem fair. Do I allow him to take more than I think he should? Do I sign my child up for another activity, knowing that it's on Sunday morning? Or do I say no and impress upon them the importance of worship and of honoring the Lord's day? When everyone goes to bed, do I click on that pornographic website? Do I turn on that really steamy movie? Or do I shut it off? 
call a friend and confess my temptation and ask for help to do the right thing? Do I repost that meme on social media that's mean or divisive or maybe crudely humorous? Or do I resist because it may detract from my witness as a Christian? Do I flirt with that person at work? Because, you know, my marriage has grown stale and my spouse just doesn't do it for me anymore. Do I engage in that emotional affair or do I say no, put my head down, get my work done and honor my spouse and honor the commitment that I made before God? Do I accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness and salvation Or do I convince myself that it's all just a bunch of nonsense that was made up by someone a very long time ago? Friends, the decisions that we make will determine the kind of life we live and may very well determine where we spend eternity. Today... We are concluding our summer sermon series, Wisdom for Today. Now you may say to yourself, hang on, he just said that summer was over last week. Why are we still doing Proverbs? Well, if you remember, we were supposed to be outdoors last week doing worship on the stage at the Lowell Festival, right? But the Lord had other plans. And we don't always understand what he's up to, but he promises that what happens is what's best for us. So can we trust that promise? Absolutely. If you were with us last week, we learned that absolutely we can trust him to keep his promises. The good news is that we're on for next year to do worship on the stage, Labor Day weekend. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. So why don't we start praying for no rain now, right? (laughs) But seriously, in our series, Wisdom for Today, we've been focused on the first nine chapters of Proverbs. And these chapters, as we've learned, are a collection of poems written by King Solomon to his son. Now, King Solomon, if you remember, is probably the wisest person to ever live. He was the son of King David, And early in Solomon's reign, we read in 1 Kings chapter 3 that Solomon loved the Lord. He loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. So the Lord came to Solomon in a dream, and he said to Solomon, Ask what I shall give you. You can have whatever you want. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom. Wisdom to lead God's people. And Solomon grant, or and God granted Solomon that wisdom and that knowledge. In 1 Kings chapter 3, God said to Solomon, Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. So Solomon was wise. He was, he was the wisest person to ever live. And he shares his wisdom with his son in this book we call Proverbs. But like our sermon title says, this is wisdom for today as well. These words can speak to us and can help us to make good decisions 
in life. Now, our focus for this morning is on Proverbs chapter 9. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 9, we're going to look at all 18 verses. By the way, um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one tucked in the seat pockets in front of you. And uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, take it with you. Keep it. That's our gift to you. But Proverbs chapter 9, and what we see is that this is the last of the expository chapters in the book. So the first nine chapters that we've been studying this summer really serve as an introduction to the rest of the book, which consists of those more familiar you know, one and two line Proverbs proper. The purpose of this book is really given to us very early on in the first chapter. It tells us that the goal is to describe and instill wisdom in God's people. A wisdom that is founded in what? Ah, here we go. Fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs 1.7. No slide, no help. Proverbs 1.7. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Not bad, not bad. We're getting there, we're getting there. Um, but Proverbs 1.7 tells us that it all begins with the fear of the Lord. And we've made it clear throughout our study that this isn't a kind of like, you know, terrifying, uh, paralyzing fear that, that may first come to mind when we say fear. No, fear of the Lord means that we recognize and we understand who God is. He is the creator of the cosmos. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. We recognize that. We also recognize who we are in relationship to him. We are his creation, and we recognize our place in his world. This is his world, and we depend on him for everything. We depend on him for life, for every breath, for every heartbeat, our daily bread. We depend on him for everything. And we recognize that we are sinners. And we are sinners in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. Friends, God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And when we recognize all of that, when we recognize who he is, who we are, and what he's done for us, then we, we fall on our knees. We can't help but fall on our knees and give him the honor and the glory and the reverence that he's due. Friends, that is fear of the Lord. And that is the beginning of wisdom. And that is the beginning of the wisdom that we need to keep us on the right path in life. Remember, Solomon has been teaching us that there are really only two paths in this life. It's a binary response. It's one or the other. You either choose the path of foolishness or you choose the path of wisdom. We have a decision to make. We have a decision to make. Which path will we choose? And in chapter 9 here, Solomon is going to lay out these options one more time. And he's going to show us the moral and eternal consequences of the decision that we make. 
Now, up to this point, we've seen Solomon use really a pretty varied, uh, varied uh, approach to his appeals for wisdom, for seeking wisdom. For the most part, he's appealed as a father to his son. Or at times we've seen him say to his children, plural. Last week, no, it wasn't last week, I'm sorry, a couple weeks ago, we saw in chapter 8, wisdom personified. We saw wisdom personified as a woman offering wisdom to all who would heed her call. And in this final appeal here in chapter 9, Solomon presents us with two women. Two women, both extending invitations. The first woman we met previously, Lady Wisdom. And the other woman personifies folly. And what we're going to do is we're going to work through this and we're going to compare the invitations from these two women and then we have to decide which one we're going to accept. So first, Lady Wisdom. Solomon writes this in verses 1 and 2. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed the wine. She has also set her table. Now, the first thing that we want to focus on here is her preparation. Her preparation. Much has gone into this preparation. It's been very meticulous. It says she's built her house. She's built her house. And many commentators over the years have really tried to make something of these seven pillars that Solomon talks about here, referring to them as like seven sacraments or seven gifts of the Holy Spirit or seven qualities of wisdom. We really, we really can't get that out of these verses. But what we can get is that these seven pillars mean that wisdom's house is fairly large. It's well-appointed. It's very nice. It's been meticulously built. It's well-built, and it is unshakable. It is unshakable. Great care and preparation has gone into the building of this house. We also see that great care has been taken in preparing this feast that she's inviting us to. Talks about the meat, slaughtered the meat, mixed the wine, the table's been set, the table's ready, everything's been prepared. That's her preparation. In the following verses, 3 through 6, we see Lady Wisdom's plea. Her plea. It says, She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So Lady Wisdom here, she wants her plea to be heard. And we've alluded to this several times in this series. This, this, this occurs in the most public of places. Right, The highest places of the town. Previous verses have told us that it happens at the gates of the city. This is out in the open. It's not hidden. Wisdom cries out to all who will listen and heed that call. And it's important to note that it's not just Lady Wisdom, right? But she sends out her representatives. She sends out her young women. 
And this is very reminiscent of Jesus sending out the disciples to spread the gospel. Lady Wisdom here, she invites the simple and those who lack understanding to come, to come and feast at her table. She pleads with all to leave the path of foolishness. Leave that path. Choose the path of wisdom and live. Live. The next, the next few verses here are kind of a, a, an interesting section that really compare those who reject wisdom, or in other words, those who scoff at wisdom, and those who receive wisdom. So in verses 7 and the beginning of verse 8 says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. So this, this, this person here that, that's being referred to as the scoffer, this is someone who is outright hostile to wisdom and instruction. And you cannot impose wisdom on someone who is unwilling. Just like you cannot argue someone into believing in Jesus. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't share. We don't share wisdom. We don't share the gospel. No, it doesn't mean that. But, but we spare ourselves the abuse and we wait for a more favorable opportunity. Because at the end of verse 8 and into verse 9, it says that the wise man is going to benefit from wisdom's invitation. It says, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. So we see the three negatives... The three negatives of reproving the evil man, right? The scoffer will abuse you, he will cause you harm, and in the end he will hate you. That is contrasted against the three positives of reproving the wise man. The wise man will love you. He will become even wiser. And he will increase in learning and in knowledge. And quite honestly, this is something of the sense that we get from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 13. There he says, For to the one who has, the wise man, more will be given. He will become wiser. And he will have an abundance of wisdom. But from the one who has not, the scoffer, even what he has will be taken away. Friends, those who seek diligently and heed wisdom's call will grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. So in, in, a, in a sense, we're actually presented with another decision that we have to make. Which one are we going to be? Are we going to be the scoffer? Or are we going to be the wise man? So we've, we've taken a look at Lady Wisdom's preparation We've looked at her plea. Now we're going to look at her promise. Her promise. And we see that in verse 10 and following. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
That sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. So verse 10, man, that sounds so familiar, right? And quite honestly, that is the bookend to Proverbs 1 verse 7. The bookend to Proverbs 1 verse 7. We see it in verse 10. And what this does is it reinforces all of the truths that we find spelled out for us in between those two verses. The life available to us on this path of wisdom is founded on this principle. Wisdom begins with a right relationship with the God of creation. Fear of the Lord, friends, that sense of awe and reverence that we've been talking about this whole time. That is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. But here's the thing, okay? It is just that. You know what I'm saying? It's just the beginning. You know, there's an old saying that goes, well begun is only half done. This is just the start, friends. This is a journey. But it's the beginning of the journey. And all wisdom, all this wisdom that we find in Proverbs and, and really anywhere else in God's Word for that matter, is there to keep us on the path of wisdom and to grow us in our knowledge of the Holy One. This is just the start. But if we continue on that path, if we do that, if we heed the call of Lady Wisdom and fear God... There's benefits. There's benefits. And really, throughout our study, we've been introduced to some of the benefits of pursuing wisdom. But here, what it says is, days will be added, years to your life. But I want us to remember, again, that these are general principles. These are not guarantees. Just because you pursue wisdom doesn't mean that you're going to live to 98 years old. But we do know, we do know that it will certainly lead to eternal life. Eternal life, an infinite number of years. And really what verse 12 tells us there at the end of this section is that it's our decision. It's our decision. We don't make it for the benefit of or to the detriment of anyone else. You are the ultimate loser or gainer. It's you. It says you alone will bear it. So that's the invitation of Lady Wisdom. And that sounds pretty inviting. The only other option, friends, is the invitation of the woman folly. So let's take a few moments and compare. What we read in verse 13 is, the woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. So what do you note about her preparation? 
there's no preparation at all, right? You know, Lady, Lady Wisdom has, has gone to, to, to great lengths and, and, and meticulously prepared everything. Woman folly? All it says here is, you know, she's a loud, obnoxious, unpleasant woman who is actually quite ignorant. She speaks loudly, and she sounds a lot like the adulteress that we were introduced to in chapters 5 and chapter 7. So there's, there's, there's no preparation. No preparation. So let's look at her plea. Starting in verse 14, it says, She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense. We're going to stop there. But I, I, I want you to notice that it says here that woman folly sits at the door of her house. She's, she's like shouting from like a seated position. Is she lazy? I think the inference is actually quite clear. Unlike Lady Wisdom, who, who has, has, has passion for this. As a matter of fact, she has so much passion, she sends out representatives. She sends out her young women to help spread the news about wisdom. But it's interesting that the woman folly actually sits in the same place that Lady Wisdom sits. This is the highest places of the town, right? And she actually kind of says pretty much what Lady Wisdom says. If you compare verse 4 with verse 16, they're almost exactly the same. So what that tells us is that woman folly is competing. Woman folly is competing with Lady Wisdom for the souls of men and women. That's what this is all about. It's a battle for your soul. So we've compared the preparation. We've compared the plea. What about the promise? The promise. Verses 17 and 18. She says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, this is, this is the message, this is the promise of woman folly, trying to explain how good it is to be bad, making the case that things gained through sin are so much more sweet and pleasing than anything that may be gained legitimately. And isn't that really the promise of all sin? Isn't that what sin tells us? You know, sin, sin promises to fulfill. Sin promises to satisfy and to fill any void that we might have in our lives. That's what the promise is, but it is a false promise. And the true promise of woman folly is unknown to the simple unknown to the one who lacks understanding, unknown to the one who lacks wisdom. He can't see it. He can't see it. He can't see that the dead are all around him. He can't see that the true promise 
of woman folly is found in Sheol, friends. It is found in hell. Woman folly promises much, but in the end delivers the worst life possible and eventually death. So we have a decision to make. And these are the two options that Solomon's been teaching us about from the very beginning. From the very beginning. Do we choose the path of woman folly? The path of foolishness that leads to death? Or do we choose the path of lady wisdom? Which leads to life. Which leads to abundant life. Life everlasting Friends, we make decisions every single day and our decisions will determine our destiny. Now, if we choose the path of wisdom, if we choose that path, we know it all starts with what? Fear of the Lord, right? Wisdom and this this journey on the path of wisdom, it all begins with a right relationship with God, knowing who He is, knowing who we are, and knowing that we can never be right with Him apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. I've said it before, and I will say it again, friends. God loves us. Listen to what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5. He says that God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Friends, it is only through Jesus Christ that we have a right relationship with God. It is only through Jesus Christ that we have life. So really... Really, the decision comes down to this. What are you going to do with Jesus and his offer of forgiveness? What are you going to do with Jesus and his offer of salvation, his offer of life? There's only two options. There is only two options, friends. There is no middle, sort of, kind of, maybe-ish. No. You either reject him or you accept him and you believe on him. You choose the path of foolishness or you choose the path of wisdom. You choose death or you choose life. Friends, I pray, I pray that we would all choose wisdom, that we would all choose life, that we would all choose Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and praise you. And we thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that we find in your word. We thank you, Lord, for the teachings on wisdom and the warnings about folly. Lord, I pray that you would pour your spirit out and give us wisdom, that you would continue to teach us, that we may may continue to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we want to choose wisdom, and we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would work in us 
to change us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.